culture isn't in a particular place in the brain. Culture permeates our whole organism. Hello, I am Joseph Scholz. Welcome to the Deep Culture Podcast, where we dig into the science and psychology of culture and mind. And I am here with... Yvonne van der Poel. Hello. Hi, Joseph. Hi. We've been seeing each other a lot these days. Exactly, yeah. No, this is already the third day in a row this week. So, yes, we have been around and we don't really live next door, do we? <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is it, you know, 15,000 kilometers or something? I'm in Tokyo, Japan. I'm not sure, but yes, and I'm based in the Netherlands, um, in the center of the country in a small village. But yes, we're quite apart, but... Yeah, since we've been working together in the masterclass, um, we've done a lot of work together. We were just yesterday uh, talking to uh, internationalists from all over the world that were joining us to talk about brain-mind sciences and what that has to do with intercultural work. And that's been a wonderful experience to have this passion uh, for these intercultural professionals. Yes, it has been great. And people are so excited to dive into this topic and, of course, exploring this with each other. Um, so we have been running these webinars and, of course, the podcasts relate to what we have been doing in the webinars as well. And uh, it's interesting to, to talk with intercultural professionals, either educators, trainers, coaches, who are working on, on the edge of culture, cultural differences, diversity, and are in, intrigued in, in how does our brain work, how does our mind work, but also to make sense of the, the words and the terminology we're, we're using. And there's, of course, a body of research uh, in the field of neuroscience, cultural neuroscience, but what exactly do interculturalists need to know in order to inform their work? And that's a really hard question to answer because there's so much research going on in so many different areas. So we're trying to cook some of that down to come up with a few things that might help interculturalists do their work. And neither of us are neuroscientists or cognitive psychologists, but there are some basic insights which I think uh, are really important. And so let's we'll be talking a little bit about one of the questions that came up in the process of this of this master course or master class that we're teaching. Yes, and then one of the questions, which is of course a relevant and logical question, that where is culture in the brain? Like, is there a location? Is there a place where it's based? I mean, it sounds like a very simple question, right? You'd think, well, is there like a spot or like where is it? But of course even the question itself mixes up a couple of things, right? So the brain is a physical object, it's an organ, but culture is ideas, it's meanings, it's values, it's patterns, it's the way that people live. And so these are two, these are two separate levels of thinking, and you know, the, the level of the physical brain and the level of the of thought and meaning and customs and those kinds of things. So how do we bridge that gap? How do we answer that question is kind of what we're going to be working at today. 
I like short and small sentences. And once in also in a live training that we had pre-corona times, you said, all you have to know as interculturalists is three brains, two minds, one person. And why don't we take that as a starting point also for this podcast? In this masterclass we've been teaching, one of the things we talked about is if you're living in a foreign country, if you grew up between cultures, if you like traveling, you're interested in cultural difference, you really need to understand how deep culture is within us. I think that's the point of this three brains, two minds, oneself. It's a way for us to understand what a deep part of us culture is. I think we should all understand this. It has been very helpful for me to personally understand this. And of course, we experience ourselves as one, as one individual, but understanding the dual processing of mind, the two minds, and those three brains and those three areas, and how do they interact, it, it has been very helpful. Shall we start with the three brains, what we mean by three brains? So what are the three brains that we're talking about? Exactly. Those three brains, we're talking about the brainstem here, we're talking about the limbic system, and we're talking about the neocortex. And so sometimes we talk about the brainstem, we call it, some people call it the reptilian brain. It's kind of the instinctive brain. Uh, the limbic system is sometimes talked about as the mammalian or the feeling brain. And then the neocortex is sometimes called the primate or the thinking brain. So how do we visualize this? We ask people and we can ask our listeners now to raise your hand in the air and to put your thumb in between your fingers and then fold your fingers and in a fist and have a look here at your hand. Okay, so this is this is a little complicated to explain. So you you hold up your hand in front of your face, you you fold your thumb into your palm and then you grab it in a fist. So now you're looking at your fist with the thumb, put it at 90 degrees. So you can see if it's your right hand, then you can see that uh it's bent over to the left. Are, you think that's clear, Yvonne? <laughs> I hope that's clear. And if not, just have a look at your hand, which is beautiful anyway. Right. So the, 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 the wrist, that's the brainstem. And that's the oldest, in evolutionary terms, it's the oldest uh, structure in our brain. And this is where things, basic bodily functions uh, happen. And I, we should say that we're talking about these as though they're three brains, but of course they're not three brains. They are totally integrated into each other. They totally work together. They're not separate modules, but it's helpful to know how they relate to each other. By the wrist, that's the brainstem. And then? Then we just go up higher and then we enter the limbic system. So the mammalian brain. And where is that? And that's your thumb inside. So, so that's the thumb that's inside. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the limbic system is where uh, very important for emotion. It's important for learning. So if you burn yourself on the stove and then you're like, ah, oh, uh, um, that is processed in the limbic system and the feeling brain. 
And then the neocortex. And then the neocortex, which is actually the last part that has evolved in the evolutionary biology. It's the part that's all those other fingers that are just laying on top of it. And it's 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 our thinking part. It, it's uh, related also to our ethics and, and we can make moral decisions. Right. So it's kind of wrapped around. And the, the closer you get to the front, the closer you get to capacities that are strictly human. So it's the primate brain, the thinking brain. And so one way to say it is that we are animals that think. So we do have basic instincts and drives. Well, we experience hunger, so the reptilian brain. And then we learn complex tasks to satisfy these basic instincts and drives. Oh, for instance, we learn to bake cookies. So that's the right. neocortex, complex skill. <laughs> right. So if we're hungry, we want, we're hungry. So we decide to break, bake some cookies. But that's not just a rational decision. Our decisions are driven by emotion. And we get upset. We get upset when those cookies burn uh, or we get set, get upset when there's more kilos on, our, <laughs> on the scale. <laughs> <laughs> So our cookies burn, so we get upset about that, and so our emotion is coming into this. And then we then think abstractly or morally about what we should, what we want to do about this situation. Yeah, and decide, for instance, to eat salads uh, over the next weeks, and that's a decision also by the neocortex. Right, so the neocortex has these higher-order functions, abstract thinking. But the key, of course, is that all of these functions are integrated into each other and they're all functioning at the same time. So this question, where is culture in the brain, has a simple answer. It, it does not reside in any particular place in the brain. Rather, cognitive processes are embodied, meaning that thought and language and ideas and meaning all of these abstract elements of our experience, all of the things that we think about when we talk about culture, we talk about customs, we talk about values, those are all intimately connected with our bodily states and our emotion. So in that sense, culture permeates our whole organism and it's experienced as part of the self. So we've talked about these three brains, but I think if you're interested in cultural difference or travel or living abroad, you need also to know about dual processing models of cognition. These are the two minds that we were talking about. Yes, yeah, so we're talking here about the attentive mind and the intuitive mind. And actually the attentive mind is about analytic conscious thought. Uh, and the intuitive mind is about the unconscious autopilot. Right. So we used to talk about the conscious and unconscious, but now we're understanding that this unconscious or intuitive part of our mind is much more complex than we used to realize. And that this autopilot that we rely on every day to navigate through our everyday life is really 
influenced very deeply by our background and and by culture, in fact. And we know, of course, that when you're in a foreign environment, you can't just be on autopilot. So one of the really great things about like going to a foreign country or being in a foreign situation is that you're always getting these surprises, things coming up, things that are unexpected or culture shock. And it's really like a chance to watch how your mind works. It's a chance to like see the wheels turning inside. And you'll notice that although we feel like we're just rational and logical people, of course, it's not that simple. We have our conscious thought, but we also have this autopilot, this other part of our mind. And specialists call that dual processing models of cognition. We used to call it conscious and unconscious, but now we're talking about dual processing models of cognition. And those two minds are what we call the attentive mind and the intuitive mind. And so the attentive mind is about analytic conscious thought. And the intuitive mind is about cognitive unconscious autopilot. And the interesting part, what I found interesting is that the attentive mind, well, we have a limited source, actually resource to, to think, think things through because it costs a lot of energy. Uh, so right. here's the autopilot taking over. It's always there. <laughs> you never can switch it off. And that's the thing, you know, it's, it's there. And that's also where culture is there, but it's also in those deep patterns, but also bias. And, and we jump to conclusions easily without us knowing and because that's the attentive mind. And that's an interesting interplay between those two minds. All right. So the intuitive mind, which is kind of this autopilot, which is fast, it's effortless, it's unconscious. It's, you know, it, it gives us a feeling of what's normal and it's, pattern-based. And then the attentive mind is this kind of slow, intentional, conscious, problem-solving part of our mind. And of course, in a foreign situation, the autopilot just doesn't always work. It's interesting. Recently, I coached a German CEO uh, coming to the Netherlands, being new in this Dutch-German company, but predominantly in his office, uh, Dutch. And there was this training question about, well, dealing with the Dutch in the workplace, workplace culture. And he said, well, actually, I find a lot of similarities. I don't see that much difference. And we talked this through. And all of a sudden, he said, and that was interesting, he had detected this pattern. He said, well, I do see that the Dutch interrupt much more during meetings. Okay, so there was a pattern and he had noticed it and he hadn't thought it true yet, but it was only through our conversation that he brought this up. And for him, in his position also as new leader, but all those interruptions <laughs> made him a bit uncomfortable. And how should I make an interpretation out of this? What does it mean? What does it mean about meetings? So from there, actually, we came into a very valid conversation about leadership about the, the logic around meetings and decision making and how all voices could be heard and that might be some well cultural differences actually that he didn't expect at first glance but he thought well it's rather similar well that's really interesting and so this is a, a german working with dutch people right so yeah. culturally you might think it's not that far apart but when you're actually working together, these kinds of things come up. 
So it's really interesting that he noticed this very small thing, like interrupting, but it's a sign of something deeper. It's a sign of deeper patterns. And you said that he felt irritated by this? Oh, he wasn't really enjoying it that much <laughs> because his expected uh, norm in those meetings was, well, people listen to each other carefully and only then when the moment he as a leader opened the floor for different opinions, then it would come in and not just at random, you know, on those interruptions. Yeah. So, so these were, it was unexpected and this irritated him. And so this is, so this is another example of how culture shapes our intuitive mind based on our previous experience, based on our cultural background, just what we feel is normal. And things happen which don't seem normal and that makes us irritated. And then our blood pressure rises and we get in a bad mood. And of course, that's completely in our body. That irritation is completely physical. So there really is no clear separation between the thoughts, the feelings, the intuitions, and the body. It's all together in one. And so here we come in one person <laughs> with two minds and three brains. What's so great about intercultural experiences is that they, you know, they challenge us. They get us out of our comfort zone. And if we can slow down a little bit, not jump to conclusions too quickly with the intuitive mind, but let our attentive mind kind of reflect on what's going on, then we can have some insights. Yeah. And seeing these patterns, seeing the two minds working in tandem, and that's very helpful. So that's something that is good for anyone who is having foreign experiences, living abroad, going to be traveling. Use this as an opportunity to get to know your mind. I think it's about time to wrap up this episode. Yvonne, I've had so much fun with you. Yeah, it was good talking to you again, uh, like we have been doing so often uh, recently, and also because of the Masterclass Brain, Mind and Culture, which is a pleasure to work with people from around the globe who are interested in this topic, and also during these podcasts with listeners from everywhere, people who are having biracial, bicultural uh, backgrounds because of their family histories who are traveling or working uh, internationally and now in COVID times, maybe often online. Um, and, and to dive a dip, bit deeper, and that's exactly what we aim for, to really see how brain, mind and culture interrelate. So we will keep exploring in future episodes just let us know how you liked this episode. Please subscribe to the Deep Culture Podcast. Rate us. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. We would love to hear from you. 
You can reach us at dcpodcast at japanintercultural.org. You can find out about the masterclass that we've been talking about. It's the Masterclass in Brain, Mind, and Culture at www.japanintercultural.org or just do a web search for Japan Intercultural Institute. This podcast is sponsored by the Japan Intercultural Institute, which is an NPO, and it's dedicated to intercultural education and research. Thanks to our master sound engineer, Robinson Fritz, and also to Chris Koyama, our production assistant. And thanks to you, Yvonne, for spending this time with me. I look forward to seeing you next time. Yeah, I look forward to see you. And thank you all for listening.